You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron, live with Ethan Haristadoulou. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Greek's Gridiron. I am Ethan Haristadoulou, and today we are recapping yesterday's NFL trade deadline, going over all the moves that happened. I'll share my thoughts on them. I'll give a grade on the move. I'm not doing winners and losers because you can't really project that until years down the road anyways. So I'm just going to talk about the teams and the moves that they made specifically and my thoughts on them, hence giving them a grade for it. On top of that, we'll talk a little bit of the Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler move as well with the Raiders, but make sure you comment down below. Just let me know your thoughts on the trade deadline. Some of the moves that happened. What do you think of them? Are there any moves that you thought should have happened that didn't have happened? Maybe like the Titans trading Derrick Henry or something along those lines, but let me know. And let's dive right in. Starting off with, like I said, the Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler firing the Raiders, moving on from both their head coach and their GM, firing them late last night following the trade deadline where the Raiders ended up doing nothing. And I know that there was some rumors swirling around in regards to Devontae Adams and his happiness with the team. I also saw, I think it was like Bleacher Report that said Devontae Adams approached the Raiders early in the season about a change of scenery and they flat out told him no. I don't know how true that is, but I do think it is. Uh, it does speak for kind of the situation that was brewing over there in Las Vegas. And honestly, at this point, for me as a football fan, I'm glad to see that this move was finally made here. Josh McDaniels winds up being fired after only 25 games as Raiders head coach with a record of 9-16. and 16. And I think it, it was just about time to move on. And honestly, I was pulling for the firing at the end of last season. And I know that there are some Raiders fans out there who are probably thinking the same as well. I think Josh McDaniels is a fantastic offensive mind. I think he is a great offensive coordinator, and he should be a guy that's in the ear of a quarterback on the offensive side of the football and the offensive side of the football only. I just don't think he has quite what it needs to take to be able to do what a head coach needs to do as far as decision making goes with personnel and all the intricacies of being a head coach dealing with essentially an entire team rather than just focusing on the offensive game plan and how you plan on attacking next week's defense I think that's where his bread and butter is and I really hope that this isn't the end for Josh McDaniels in the NFL I think that again fantastic offensive mind he could go anywhere and improve an offense just keep him there on the offense and at this point now with two failed stints this one kind of going worse than I would say the first go around with the Denver Broncos not really sure he's going to be getting any more looks at head coach at least in the foreseeable future as for what things are going to be looking like for the Raiders going forward linebackers coach Antonio Pierce is being named as the interim head coach which will be a fun one to watch this is only his second year in coaching but he's very well respected amongst his peers he's a former super excuse me former Super Bowl champion and Pro Bowl linebacker having played with both the Giants and Commanders over the span of nine seasons and then assistant GM Champ Kelly has been named as the interim general manager for the team he spent time in personnel and scouting with both Chicago and Denver prior to coming over to Las Vegas. So those are the big changes there. The guys stepping in and taking the reins over for the remainder of the season. As for what this means for the Raiders going throughout the rest of this year, uh, I'm very curious to see what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo. His play has not been good, and I know he has a three-year contract with the Raiders right now as well, this being one of those years. So, I mean, he's still got two years remaining at the end of this season. And for me, it just feels like you've got to move on. 
I've never been the biggest or highest fan, I would say, of Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not going to sit here and slight him or anything like that, but I just didn't quite think he had what it took to be a legitimate starting quarterback for the entire stretch of a season, whether it's with injuries or just his play altogether. Uh, but I do think he could serve as a good tutoring type of role for someone like Aiden O'Connell. Uh, maybe that's the route that they go. Maybe they look elsewhere as the season rolls on. It's unfortunate, though, because this was a race team that was in a place that needed to kind of go all in and push towards the postseason and with all this changing going on right now not quite sure that that's going to exactly happen this season and I'll be curious to watch the frustration with guys like maybe Max Crosby or Devontae Adams more specifically because I know that Adams was not very thrilled with the entire situation it sounds like he hasn't been for a while but that is the Raiders and them moving on from two key positions of the team. Now, diving into the actual trade deadline stuff here, we'll start off with the big one that kind of happened first and kicked off the trade deadline moves, and that is the Seattle Seahawks trading for interior defensive lineman Leonard Williams of the New York Le Leonard Williams, excuse me, of the New York Giants, who received a 2024 second round pick and a 2025 fifth round pick in exchange for for this trade here and i've got to say right off the bat this is an a fantastic move by the seattle seahawks coming into this season i really liked the defense as a whole and if you watch my defensive power rankings for the nfc west i talk about and praise the seattle seahawks defense quite a bit but the interior defensive line was kind of where i was a little bit concerned with this team and i think that this is a massive addition and upgrade for a defense that's been really good and is on the cusp of making that jump to elite and this was the move to help push you over the edge so i give this one an a fantastic move by seattle they already have the fifth most sacks in the NFL, courtesy of a massive whooping that they gave the Giants a few weeks ago, but still 26 sacks nonetheless. They also allow the eighth fewest rush yards per game this season at 96.9 yards a game. This was a huge upgrade for a defense that was, I think, much needed and very welcomed. And this makes the Seattle Seahawks a real threat a real Super Bowl contender. So keep an eye on Seattle's defense. I think this is going to be massive for them, and it's only going to help elevate this team even further in what's going to be a bit of a horse race now, it looks like, between them and San Francisco if they can find their footing and the 49ers can get back on track as they made a move this deadline as well. Next trade we're going to look at here, we're going to focus on the Detroit Lions making a move for Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones, who they sent a 2025 sixth round pick for in exchange for DPJ himself. Now, I gave this one a C plus because while it is a interesting trade, I don't think it has a massive kind of it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't send waves through Detroit by any means. However, it doesn't mean I don't think it's still a good move for the team. At 6'2", 204 pounds, he's only 24 years old. DPJ is a deep threat who brings a ton of potential upside to an offense that's already a very high flight type of offense already as far as the passing game is concerned and I mean if you look at his statistics the one thing that really stands out to me about DPJ is that yards per reception number he averages nearly 16 yards per reception and up until this season was averaging about three touchdowns a season as well he just kind of found himself in a very crowded wide receiver room once the Browns went and traded for uh, Elijah Moore I believe it was it just you had too many guys battling for snaps they've also made a couple of draft selections the last few years 
years as well in Cleveland to really round out their wide receiver room. So it kind of just felt like he found himself in an odd man out position. This is not somebody that I think lacks talent or ability or anything like that. And I mean, you also double up the fact that the Browns have one of the most anemic passing attacks in the NFL right now, whether it's because of John, uh, excuse me, John Deshaun's Watson's play or just the fact that he's not playing as well and they have backup QBs in there at all times, it seems. I mean, there was just a lot of things I think working against him. So if there was an offense that you wanted to take Donovan Peoples-Jones out of and put him into, I think the Detroit Lions would be a good situation for him. And again, I think he brings a ton of potential upside, but he is battling with some other wide receivers as well, which is kind of what lowers the grade for me. Because of course, you have Jamison Williams, you have Josh Reynolds, you have Khalif Raymond, and it's not like he's going to be taking snaps away from Amon Ross St. Brown, and not to mention that tight end, rookie tight end at that, Sam Laporta has looked really good as a receiving threat as well for this offense. Jameer Gibbs just had a monster game, and it looked like they were more than willing to throw him the football as well. There's just a lot of people he's battling snaps for so I think it's a solid selection or solid trade rather and I don't it definitely doesn't hurt the team by any means and all you gave up was a sixth round pick you're not even using for the next couple of seasons anyways I'm here for it I like it I just don't know how impactful of a move it is going to be at least immediately unless they just start drawing things up for DPJ right out of the gate and they want to get him integrated as fast as possible this is one that I could see having more bigger results I guess down the line next trade we're looking at here the Bears trading for defensive end Montez Sweat, giving away a 2024 second round pick to the commanders for Montez. Now, this one I graded as a B, and maybe you could argue this one needs to be a little bit higher, but I do have some reasons for why I'm not super in love with the trade. I do think it's a good move that adds talent to what has been a defense that has struggled this season, especially against the pass. Sweat, by any means, hasn't been a monster as a guy on the edge, but he is somebody who has been very consistent. He's been available. And on top of that, he does have good production as well. You're looking at 35 and a half career sacks, 47 tackles for loss. PFF has him recorded for 195 total pressures through his career so far. He's been very productive as a pass rusher. And honestly, his his skill set really leans into his ability to stop the run more than anything else. He's excellent against setting the edge, which should help for a Bears team that already is a pretty successful unit against the run. And maybe that's more so because teams can literally just throw the football all over them and where he really needs to help things out, which is helping generate some pressure. I'm hoping that he can bring a spark for the Chicago Bears team because right now they're allowing 262 passing yards a game, which is the third most in the NFL. They have a league worst, only 10 sacks, and they're the second worst worst in the NFL at just a lowly 16.6% pressure rate as well. So that's where he really needs to help things out. But he's someone who helps a run defense that's already been really successful. Oddly enough, the Bears, third fewest rushing yards allowed per game. But again, I think that might just be because teams are throwing the football all over them. They don't necessarily have to run the football. But he already helps out what has been a solid run defense. And you're hoping now that he comes in and helps bring some pressure. I just don't quite know if he was like the home run hit to go and trade a second round pick for. But I do think that he was probably one of the best guys available for the job. And a second round pick isn't a killer by any means. So again, I settled on a B. You could argue maybe this needs to be a little bit higher, but 
I need to see an extension for him. I want to see some production from him. And I'm also curious how he's going to fare now that he's not on as such a talented defensive line as they were in Washington. You were talking about a unit that was just littered with first round selections. Everyone on that D line in Washington, while he was still playing there, was uber talented. They all could bring pressure and all could create problems for offensive lines. So I'm curious to see now where he kind of shifts into a more he's the number one guy on a defensive line that's still sort of figuring itself out right now how that whole thing pans out sticking with the washington commanders trading people away the san francisco 49ers they went ahead and traded for defensive end chase young continuing to just add to what is a vaunted defensive line already the 49ers obviously bringing in chase young giving away 2024 third round pick in return for him to the commanders this one i gave as a b plus because mainly it's the injury concern that has me just holding back a smidge. I think the world of Chase Young. I think he's uber talented. And I think bringing him into this situation now where he's not the number one Nick Bosa is, you again are putting him right on a defensive line that's probably more talented than what he... Or I don't even know if probably is the right word. It, pro it is more talented than what he was working on in Washington. Now he's not the number one. You only gave a third round pickup for him. And... Listen, you have Randy Gregory behind him, Clellan Farrell, Drake Jackson. Those are the backups, and you're teaming him up with now with former Ohio State teammate Nick Bosa. There is so much to like about this. There's so much potential upside there. And again, I think that Chase Young is uber talented, and injuries have just kind of derailed what should have been a phenomenal career to this point. If he can stay healthy, this is an A-plus move, but the injury concerns are there for me. So right now, I stick with the B-plus. I do think that there is so much potential upside in this one here, and again, he's going to what is an overly talented defensive line as it is. I just listed the defensive ends he's playing with here, not to mention the interior guys that you have there. Hello, they just went and got Javon Hargrave this offseason. Like, talk about a massive addition to a group that is, again, already littered with talent. Eric Armstead's another guy. This one has so much upside. He just has to stay healthy. So B+, if he winds up staying healthy and produces and sticks around for the long haul, and this isn't just a half a season rental, I'd give it an A+. But we just got to see how it turns out. Now we're going to switch gears and look at... The Minnesota Vikings trading for quarterback Joshua Dobbs of the Arizona Cardinals, sending a 2024 sixth round pick for the quarterback who is apparently going to be their backup and not actually their starter. This one was a little bit interesting to me, but I guess it kind of makes sense because Jaron Hall has at least been there and he's been in the system now since the offseason. So it does make sense that you probably want to roll with the guy who has more experience within your system. But I would think that if you're trading for someone like Joshua Dobbs, who's been a little bit of a journeyman, but has also found success as a journeyman for teams that you'd probably want to go with him. But I guess you're just going with the guy that, you know, you drafted this year in the fifth round and you want to see what he can bring to the table as the starter, getting the starter reps through practice through the week. So I guess I get it. But I gave this one a C plus. It's not much of a needle mover for me, and I don't think it's going to by any means save the Vikings season. But it is something that I'll be interested in watching because this offense as a whole is far more talented than what Arizona had for him. And I mean, we did see some 
limited success from Joshua Dobbs. I do think there were some games where he started to get exposed, especially late towards the end of that run with Arizona there. But I think that with an offensive line that's better, with far more skill talent, especially when Justin Jefferson comes back, if things don't look great for Jaron Hall, throwing in Joshua Dobbs, who again has shown that he's very able to soak up an offense and give you the absolute best he possibly can with positive results at that when things are going well, I would not be shocked to find him winning some games with this Minnesota Vikings team. They didn't they didn't end up selling anything from their defense. They made the addition to bring him in there. You're waiting on Justin Jefferson to come back, which now that Kirk Cousins is gone, might take a little bit longer. Maybe there's less of a rush to try to get Justin Jefferson back now. But overall, I give it a C plus. It's one that could be graded a little bit higher down the road if we end up seeing Joshua Dobbs play extensively. But for now, it sounds like backup role it is for him to maybe help get Jaron Hall ready to go as a guy who has some starting experience now himself. But I just, again, I would have thought that this was a, we're bringing him in to be the starter to try and save our season type deal, but no, they're going to let Jaron Hall take the reins at least for now and see what they got in their fifth round selection there. So C plus for me, right in the middle of the road, a little bit above. Now we'll take a look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, who made a big trade, I would say, for their offense here as they went and grabbed themselves left guard Ezra Cleveland from the Minnesota Vikings. So this was a trade away that the Vikings had as we just spoke on them. The Vikings receive a 2024 sixth round pick in return for this move here. And I think that this is actually a really good pickup for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I gave this grade an A because this is something that I do think that the Jaguars really needed here. He's been a really good starter for the Vikings the last four seasons uh excuse me last three seasons i should say he's been there for the last four he even played right guard at it during his rookie campaign and from what it sounds like there are people scouts and other people within the nfl that apparently think he could be an offensive tackle as well so maybe that's something that the jaguars are rolling around in their head i guess his measurables and size and whatnot has him as someone who could maybe play the position but he has a lot of versatility for him he's only allowed one sack so far this season just 10 pressures according to pff so this is a guy who comes in whether he winds up starting for you or not even if he just winds up being like your sixth offensive lineman you can kind of think about that as someone who can hold things down on the interior whenever you need him to this is a massive boost for this offensive line this team is or excuse me this offensive line in Jacksonville is currently about middle of the pack as far as sacks are allowed with 19 on the season and also middle of the pack with run rushing yards per game at about 112 and a half per game so this is a big boost for a team that's right in the thick of things for playoffs right now I currently have them ranked as one of the best teams in the NFL never mind just the AFC they haven't lost a game since week three so they're on a roll right now and this is a much needed boost for an offense that at times feels like the offensive line has been a little bit streaky here or there or I guess leaky would be a little bit of a better word for me but I think it's a big boost for a playoff contending team one that is very welcomed over there in Jacksonville and then lastly, my final trade to discuss is going to be the Buffalo Bills trading for cornerback Razul Douglas of Green Bay. Packers receiving a 2024 third round pick for this trade here. And the Bills actually wound up getting themselves a 2024 fifth round pick in exchange for this as well. So a little bit higher of a trade compensation heading towards the Green Bay Packers, but the Bills did get something in return for it. So they didn't even outright lose a draft pick. They're just picking a couple of rounds later. I gave this one a beat because 
because the idea of this trade is really you're trying to help stop the bleed from the loss of Tredavious White, who's going to be out for the rest of the season again here. And while I'm not going to sit here and say that he's some Tredavious White replacement, he is a guy who the last couple of seasons has really started to stand out and make a name for himself. He has nine interceptions between 2021 and 2022, and he already has one on the season as well. But when you look at the secondary, Kair Elam has struggled in the opportunities he's had as a starter. Dane Jackson, I think, serves better as a guy that's more in a relief role or just in a limited capacity when you're running with like four defensive backs or excuse me, four cornerbacks on the field, whatever it may be. I think this is a very welcome addition to a Buffalo Bills team who has a really strong defense as it is. And even despite all these injuries, they've been performing really well, but this will really help out the secondary who on top of is dealing with that loss of Tredavious White, but is also a pretty young group of cornerbacks as well. And you look at some of the guys like Kyrie Elam, like Christian Benford, really young guys that you have there. And I know you of course have a, you know, a couple of seasoned vets in your secondary with uh, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, but you do have to sit there and understand that they're safeties, not necessarily corners. So it'll be nice to have a guy like Razul Douglas, who's been around the block for quite some time now, and especially these last couple of years, has really put it all together and become a standout guy. So I think this is a big addition for the Bills defense, a very welcome addition at that. Again, I really like the selection. I think it's a solid B, maybe B plus, something like that, if you want to really argue it a little bit higher. But you're essentially in this scenario kind of going minus Trey White, plus Razul Douglas. I don't think that's a one-to-one kind of trade-off there. So hence where I kind of landed on the B here. Really good select or trade for the team, one that they really needed to find an addition for in that secondary. And I think that they'll be very pleased with the way this works out. But those are my thoughts, my grades on the NFL trade deadline. Like I said at the start of the video, fire away in that comment section down below. Let me know. What are your thoughts on the trades that were made at the deadline? Were there any trades you were hoping to see your team make or just happen throughout the league to maybe shake some other things up? It wasn't necessarily the most active trade deadline we've had. There was a lot more players moving around last year, but the NFL trade deadline feels like it's either hit or miss every single year. You either get some really big moves or you don't. So not super eventful, but enough was made that I think it does kind of shift the landscape a little bit throughout the top end of the NFL. So let me know in that comment section down below your thoughts, but that is it for me. I appreciate it if you made it to the end of the video. I will see you all next time. Have a good one.